We read in Jeremiah 23, 5 and 6 about the Lord our righteousness, and that's repeated in chapter 33. So our thoughts this evening is the Lord our righteousness. I mentioned last time we considered the name, the character of our Lord Jesus Christ. That when we know more of his names, more of his character, we could say that we get to know him more personally through who he is, as well as what he has done for us. So this becomes quite personal, really. And therefore, he reveals himself through his names and through his character, of course. And this is one of them. He is the Lord our righteousness. Let's look at Romans chapter 4, and this is Abraham. We have a few verses reading there. So we'll cover that and a few more as well in Romans 4. So let's look at verses 2 and 3 again. Romans 4, verse 2 then again. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something which to boast, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Move on down, please, or read to verse 5. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But But to him, to Abraham, or anyone who does not work, but believes on him who therefore justifies the ungodly, the Lord doing that. His faith is accounted for righteousness. Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Verse 6. Now move on down please to verse 13. Verse 13. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith, or because of faith. Down to verse 16, please. Therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, Jewish people, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, which includes us Gentiles, for we say by that faith, who is the father of us all by faith, that is. Verse 17. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations, in the presence of him whom he believed, even God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall our descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able to perform also. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, it was not written for him, for his sake alone, that it was imputed to him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him, who raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses, and was raised because of our justification. Now what did Abraham believe? Did he know of the gospel? Did he know about the cross? No. What did he believe? He believed that God would give him a son. He promised that when Abraham was 75, but he had to wait until nearly 100 years of age, before that became possible. And he was nearly a hundred, as we have, and Sarah was about ninety. But he believed God's promise. He put faith in the promises of the Lord. 
And as we read here, this gave him righteousness by his faith and what the Lord promised. And he was justified by that faith. And the Lord gave him the son to Abraham and Isaac. And so we read in Jeremiah, it's in chapter 23 and 33, uh, that the Lord is our righteousness. Now what does that mean? To declare someone righteous, let me give you the comment. To declare someone innocent from guilt. To justify that person. To acquit them. This is if it was like a legal case. There is the accusation against us for disobedience. But there is someone, our substitute, comes in our place and said, I have paid their debt for their punishment. I have taken their guilt. Jesus bore our sin at the cross. So, Father, you are the judge as well. Please acquit them for me. I am their substitute. And so we are counted as acquitted, justified, and given Christ's righteousness. And we are put right with the Lord, and we are put right with the Father. We call him our Father. We have a right to do that now. So in other words, God is the one to set things right and give us righteousness, the righteousness of Christ. He took our sin, he gave us his righteousness. Now Job asked the question in chapter 9, verse 2. He said, how can a man be right with God? Good question. Well, we know how a man can be right with God, don't we? Now, the two words in the Hebrew, one is masculine and one is feminine, I'll tell you what they are. But it's important to deal with them. The first one is tzedek, T-S-E-D-E-Q. It's a masculine noun, and it means one who is given peace. The feminine one is tzedekah, feminine noun, and it is a legal term. So Jesus did with both. He gave us his peace, and righteousness, all is well between us and God, the Father and the Son. And the feminine one is the legal term, as I said just now, Jesus stood before the bar of God, seeking our acquittal and forgiveness and justification, so he took that part as well. He is our peace, and he is our, if you like, legal representative before the Father. And in the place of our sin, he has given us his righteousness. So this is wonderful. I want you to turn, please, back from Romans to a psalm. It's Psalm 85. It's a very rich psalm, this. Psalm 85. A few verses there, which are very illuminating, very revealing. Psalm 85. Let's look at verse 10 first, and then 11 and 13. Psalm 85, verse 10, 11 and 13. When we read verse 10, I want you to think of the cross of Jesus. Psalm 85, verse 10. Mercy and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. How is that possible? Think of the redeeming work of Christ at the cross. Truth shall spring out of the earth, and righteousness shall look down from heaven. Jesus in his humanity, he said, I am the truth, I am the way, the truth, and the life. God's word is truth, I am truth. In his earthly experience, he met our need, salvation, and righteousness. And the Father looked down from heaven and declared us righteous. Wonderful verse 11 in Psalm 85. Let's read verse 13. Righteousness will go before him and shall make his footsteps our pathway. His footsteps our pathway because we're right with him. He's given us his righteousness. Everything is alright between us and God the Father and the Son. Our relationship is secure. Our righteousness is permanent. In Psalm 11 verse 7, you needn't turn back to it. The righteous Lord loves righteousness. The righteous Lord loves righteousness. Well, of course. His countenance, or his face, beholds the upright in heart. He beholds us, standing in the righteousness of Christ, and he blesses us. 
and his face is always towards us. Very wonderful, isn't it? And so, of course, with Abraham, he believed God's promise for the son, incredible as it was. He stood firm in faith. It took 24 years for that fulfillment, but it became so bad as a child of promise. So when Abraham believed God through the exercise of his faith, as we read in Romans 4, in God's promises and God's provision of a son, Isaac. And therefore God accounted Abraham as righteous by his faith. That's what he had revealed to him. So if you like, God transferred Abraham from the idea of being guilty or in debt to God by the faith that he expressed and all that he had revealed to him. He didn't have too much revealed to him. But Abraham was, if you like, put on the right side of a bank account in the black instead of in the debt of the red. He was on the right side in God's accounting book. And so are you and I in Christ. How true that is. Go back to Romans with me, please, for a couple of verses in Romans. This time go to chapter 9. Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9 and verse 30. Oh, here we are as Gentiles. Romans 9, verse 30. Here we are as Gentiles. What do we say then? Of course, he's writing to Jewish people and about them in 9, 10, and 11. What do we say then? The Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness. We didn't look for it. We didn't even know we needed it. We didn't know what the Lord had done for us. We didn't pursue righteousness, but have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness of faith, or by faith. That fully justifies us. We believe in the Lord's redeeming work and the new covenant through his precious blood, and we are accounted to be righteous with him. All is well between us and God the Father and the Son. Now go back to chapter 5 with me, which is rather wonderful, in verse 1. A couple of pages back to chapter 5 and verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, which is all expressed through in chapter 4, of course, reading on, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have access, by faith, into the grace in which we stand. And rejoice in the hope of the glory of God in our future. How true. Justified by faith, set right. In other words, your presence in heaven and having eternal life is fully justified. As I say, you have a right to be there and you will be. Been declared righteous because of your faith in the Lord's redeeming work. Righteousness put to your account as a free gift. We don't earn it. Of course not. In Deuteronomy 25 verse 1, you didn't turn to it, I'll read it. Judges shall justify the righteous and condemn the wicked. That's it, isn't it? He's our judge. Jesus, if you like, took on the legality of representative before the Father for us and our guilt, represented us, took our sin, gave us his righteousness, and the Father's judged rightly. They are forgiven, they are free, they have your righteousness. They looked at Christ, who took our judgment to the cross. Deuteronomy 25, 1. Judges shall justify the righteous and condemn the wicked because they are unrighteous and remain so. Quite remarkable, isn't it? Uh, in Romans 5, while we're still there, look at verse 18 with me. In Romans 5 and verse 18. For as by one man's disobedience, Adam of course, many were made sinners, yes. As also by one man's obedience, Christ standing before the Father on our behalf, by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. There it is. That's plain, isn't it? Very easy to see that. Of course, the Romans chapter 4 incident took us back to Genesis chapter 15, didn't it? Abraham believed in the Lord and he counted it to Abraham for righteousness. Quoted here. So no human effort was involved. Abraham simply had to believe God's promise, 
and thou must counted him for righteousness. Now, in a sense, of course, as we have here, that it is impossible for man to uh, work for salvation or work to please God for his salvation. We work from our salvation and we can please the Lord then. We know that. So would you go forward to Galatians with me? Because here the Apostle Paul is trying to explain to these Christians of Galatia, many of them were Jewish, of course, Jewish believers who were under pressure to go back under the law because of their persecution, like that to the Hebrews, very similar. And in Galatians chapter 3, if you'll turn to Galatians 3 with me, there's a wonderful explanation here as well. Galatians chapter 3, and let's look at verse 5 to 11. Galatians 3, 5 to 11. Therefore he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law? In other words, because you try to keep the law? No, he doesn't do that. Or by the hearing of faith, knowing your faith. Just as Abraham, here it is, believed God and was accounted to him for righteousness. Therefore know that only those who are the faith of Abraham are sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God will justify the nations by faith, we Gentiles, preached the gospel to Abraham, not the gospel that we understand of the cross, but the good news of being given a son. That was good news to Abraham. But that's what he had revealed to him. That's what he believed. That was the gospel, the good news to Abraham. Beforehand saying, in you all the nations shall be blessed. Because that was the covenant given to Abraham and the promise of a son and the promise of the Messiah to come to bless all nations in Genesis 12 and 15. So those who are of faith, verse 9, are blessed with believing Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. Ah, Jewish people would see that. Cursed everyone who does not continue in all the things that are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no one is justified by the law. No good these Galatian Jewish believers wanted to go back under the law. That's perilous. They mustn't do it. They're saved through the faith and the work of Christ. No one is justified by faith, by the law in the sight of God, evident for the just shall live by faith. They're justified. Habakkuk speaks about that. The just shall live by faith and elsewhere. Yet the law is not a faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. If you want to believe the law to save you, then you've got to work for it, because that's impossible. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, you Jewish people under the law, having become a curse for us. It is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And verse 24, Therefore the law was our tutor or our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, to led us to Christ, led the Jewish people to Christ because of their failure to keep the law, and that we might be justified by faith. There it is. Wonderful, isn't it? Go back to chapter 2 and verse 16. Just while we're there, chapter 2 and verse 16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Now that's plain. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ, and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. It's an act of faith, not works to keep the law, reminding these Jews. So in other words, as we look at it, Everything is God's provision. We can't work for it. We, we can't uh, plead for it apart from the work of Christ. Our faith is in his redeeming work. And then we're declared righteous. We're fully justified. Fully acquitted. Our debt has been paid. And in place of our sin, we have Christ's righteousness. That's very wonderful, isn't it? So everything is God's provision. Would you go back to Matthew's Gospel, please? Matthew, chapter 22. 
Jesus speaking a parable to the people in verse 1. But go down to verse 11 through to 13. This is the parable. A man tried to gatecrash a wedding feast, a royal wedding feast. And everyone had to go to this royal wedding, was given a special uh, covering cloak, if you like, clothing, in order to be received, welcomed, and accepted. This man tried to gatecrash without it, was obviously didn't have it. Verse 11, cutting into the parable. When the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who did not have a wedding garment on. So he said to him, friend, how did you get in here? What about a wedding garment? And the man was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, bind him, hand him foot, take him away, cast him into outer darkness, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And as a result of someone who tries to gatecrash the presence of the king without a wedding garment clothing. So when we come to our marriage of the Lamb with the bride, we should need the clothing of Christ's righteousness, won't we? We have Christ's righteousness now, put to our account. That's our accepted clothing. We're clothed with the righteousness of Christ, covering us completely before God the Father and the Son. Without Christ's righteousness, we would have nothing. That's certainly very true. So God performs everything for us. He's done everything because of Christ. And if you like that word, imputed righteousness or imparted righteousness is a gift from the Lord. And it's put to our credit. We're on the black side of our account. So we're justified, acquitted, declared innocent, without guilt, though we know in a sense we are sinners. But the Christ took it all and in place gave us freedom, righteousness, sonship, daughtership of the Lord God Almighty, called God our Father, Jesus our Saviour and Lord. Everything is right now. We're clothed in his righteousness. Hallelujah. That's why you can't lose your salvation. It can't be taken away from you. We're clothed in his righteousness. Hallelujah for that. That's wonderful, isn't it? In Psalm 85, verse 2, I won't ask you to turn to it again. You have forgiven the iniquity of your people. You have covered all their sin. Hallelujah, how true that is. And Isaiah 61, verse 10, that's an interesting one. I'll read it, but if you want to, you can turn to it. Isaiah 61, verse 10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. Yes, I'll say. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. I'm going to read that again. It's Isaiah 61, verse 10. Isaiah 61, verse 10. You want to turn to it? Fine. It's a tremendous verse. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. Oh, yes, he has. It covers us. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. Amen to that. Now, we did go back to Psalm 85 this now, but I'd like you to turn to Psalm 89. If you go back to Psalm 89, please. Now, this is a psalm written by King David as he praises the Lord for the revelation of the Davidic covenant that one day, out of the family line of David, there will be a king to reign in Jerusalem. Now, that's his rejoicing in the psalm. But I'd like you to go in at Psalm 89, please, if you will, down to verses 15 and 16. 15 and 16 of Psalm 89. Blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. They walk, O Lord, in the light of your countenance, your appearance, your face before him. In your name they rejoice all the day long. And in your righteousness they are exalted. You're going to heaven, dear friends. The exalted place of the presence of God, the Father and the Son. You'll be exalted there and glorified there because you wear Christ's righteousness. And this is a cause of great joy and rejoicing. Of course it is. In your righteousness, Lord. Your righteousness, not mine. 
They are exalted. That's the promise, certainly there. So Christ, if you like, as I mentioned just now, is our representative man. The man Christ Jesus, our mediator. One who stands between us and God the Father. One who is our great high priest praying for us, interceding for us. He is our representative man. He's the man Christ Jesus. And he's the only righteous man that ever lived as he took on human flesh and blood. He's our go-between, if you like. He's the mediator between man and God. And he gives righteousness to the one who believes in his redeeming work, which is very wonderful, isn't it? He gives us his righteousness, and he took our sin in his death. He was judged for our sins, and therefore we go free and declare acquitted at the bar of God, if you like to think of it, legally speaking. So we are acquitted from all sense of responsibility for our sin. We're set free. What a gospel that is. 2 Corinthians 5.21, I'm coming to a close now. 2 Corinthians 5.23, I should say. First look at 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. And chapter 5, verse 21. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. Last verse in the chapter. This sums it up, what I've been saying. For he, that's the Father, made him, that's Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us. He took our sin. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. The righteousness. There's only one. The righteousness of Christ. The righteousness. There isn't another that makes us acceptable with the Father and the Son to declare that new relationship we have. We have the righteousness, Christ's righteousness, put to our account in him, because of him. Hallelujah. Wonderful. Philippians 3.9 says this, you needn't turn to it. Be found in Christ, not having my own righteousness, says Paul. And he could establish, try to, his righteousness by his keenness for the law. But no, he says no. To be found in Christ, not having my righteousness, that is by the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. When for some, Ephesians 4, 24, we're to put on the new man, which by God is created in righteousness, newness of life. We're new creatures. The old is passing away, the new has come. We live in that newness of life. Put on that new man which is created in God in righteousness and true holiness. One goes with the other in progress. Being made free from sin, says Paul, you become the servants of righteousness. Oh yes, servants of Christ's righteousness, serving him, ambassadors for Christ, representatives of Christ, right down here. For we are servants of his righteousness, declaring his righteousness, how to be right with God, that's true. Even that wonderful chapter of Hebrews 11, about all the people who express their faith, and they're all rewarded their faith. It says, Noah by faith built the ark. It's in Hebrews 11, 7. Why don't we move on and look at that? Hebrews 11, verse 7. Wonderful chapter on faith. It's the heroes of faith of the Old Testament. It's not a New Testament one here. Hebrews 11, verse 7. It's about uh, Noah, of course. Hebrews 11, verse 7. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, the flood, judgment, moved with godly fear because he believed the Lord prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Heir of right. You and I will inherit the complete, everything that the Father has promised for his redeemed children, clothed in the righteousness of Christ. All the riches of Christ. Amen. Unsearchable riches of Christ. Can't fathom the depth. How true that is. So now we're called to live that life of righteousness, aren't we? 
Noah expressed his righteousness by building the ark, got his people in, the Lord shut them in. He was inside and shut the door and kept the others out. The Lord was inside with him. Ephesians 5, 9 says, The fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness. The fruit of the Spirit. You know what the Galatians 5, 22, love, joy, peace, is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. And I just close with the thoughts, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 12. Walk worthy of God, who has called you into his kingdom and glory, to please God by a life of faith. And just to realize we have the ministry of righteousness. Now we're in Hebrews now, and I was in 2 Corinthians just now. Just finally go back there, 2 Corinthians. This is important. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 9. We are ambassadors for Christ. We are to express his righteousness. We are ministers of righteousness and we express Christ's righteousness in our witness and in our life, lip and life service. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 9. For if the ministry of condemnation, that was the law, had a glory, which it did, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. Of course it does, because it's free. Ministry of righteousness you and I have, we're ambassadors for Christ. We're to live for him, we're express that, and we're to live that right life. And we have the ministry of righteousness as well. And 2 Corinthians, sorry, 2 Thessalonians, and I'm finishing with this. Turn to it with me, please, to conclude. 2 Thessalonians, chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians, chapter 2. Verses 16 and 17. This sums it all up. 2 Thessalonians, chapter 2, 16 and 17. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation, call it righteousness to say if you like, and good hope by grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work, because we wear and live by and are clothed with the very righteousness of Christ. It's all put to our account by grace. We receive it by faith. We declare innocent, free from guilt, declare to be sons and daughters of the Lord God Almighty. And we shall stand accepted and beloved in his presence, wearing and clothed of that glorious robe of Christ's righteousness. We shall be accepted into the marriage of the Lamb with the bride, because we wear him.